teaching cannabis business owners how to effectively manage all aspects of their business, increase profits, and get results. Welcome to Cannabis Solutions, presented by Paquick. Our expert host coaches you on the do's and don'ts of running your cannabis business with insight, advice, and war stories from the trenches from established leaders in the cannabis industry. Now, the host of Cannabis Solutions, here with the answers to make your cannabis business thrive, Kenneth Burke. Hi, welcome to Cannabis Solutions presented by Paquick. We've got a great show for you today. I'm Kenneth Burke, and we're joined by Rick Riccobono. He's the Director of Banks for the Washington Department of Financial Institutions. He's going to tell us about what it's like in the banking industry and dealing with marijuana from that perspective. Rick, how are you today? I'm good. Thank you, Ken. Great to have you on your show. Thank you. Well, Rick's got more than 30 years of experience in the financial services industry, both as a banker and as a regulator. So he is absolutely a wealth of knowledge for us. So before we dive into the regulations, Rick, can you explain for us what your role is at the Department of Financial Institutions? Sure. So the Department of Financial Institutions, DFI, really is responsible in the state of Washington for primarily four industries, banking, credit unions treated as a separate industry, securities, and then non-banks. That would be uh, mortgage lenders, escrow companies, uh, payday lenders, money transmitters. And so, Got it. And you uh, oversee uh, the banks is, is your piece. I, I do. I oversee the banks, and I'm responsible for state-chartered banks as opposed to national. That's done with the control of the currency, and we are responsible for the safe and sound operation of those banks and for consumer protection. Got it. All right. Very good. So now let's get into it. So with the, with the marijuana industry in Washington evolving, and there are just huge amounts of money involved in the industry, both in Washington and in lots of other states, you know, what concerns does the DFI have, the Department of Financial Institutions have, about this industry that involves just such immense amounts of money? Yeah, so I think primarily what drove us to actually get more involved, and I think some of the other states that are now just sort of coming around, was the, the fact that when a business is done all in cash, you have first a safety concern, right? That right. People are going to be walking around with money to be deposited, both for tax purposes and just simply uh, to go ahead and pay their bills, run their business. So uh, an all-cash business uh, is dangerous on its face. And then more importantly, you know, this whole, and we'll get a little bit into this later, there's, there's a whole series of, of rules that have been put forth by the U.S. Attorney General's office, and it would be running a business in cash would be virtually impossible to meet those priorities that have been, been set out. So hence, we, we were making a, an active, uh, taking an active stance and actually encouraging the industry, both at the growing distribution and retail level, to uh, to bank all of this money. We the industry definitely you know needs to be banked, not only in Washington but across the country as other states uh, pick this up as well. Agreed. It's a it's a huge issue facing the industry and and a lot of risk involved, both from a safety standpoint and a potential money laundering standpoint with respect to drug cartels, etc. So, what what would you say to a marijuana business? That on how a marijuana business could help uh, alleviate some of these concerns and help really themselves get banked. Well, I think uh, you, you know what the primary thing they could do would be to assist the bank or the um, money service uh, business that they work with. 
because that's who's currently doing the banking for these entities. Um, in either case, both entities have specific rules they have to meet uh, in terms of know your customer, uh, Bank Secrecy Act compliance, as well as anti-money laundering. And then added in the area of you know marijuana is the priorities I mentioned before that have been established by the Attorney General. And if you really think about how this works, you know, this is still very, you know, marijuana is still very illegal at the federal level. And the way it's working in states which have legalized it and create a legal industry and other states that are uh, adopting, you know, medical marijuana right now uh, as opposed to uh, just recreational or marijuana across the board, in those states uh, you have to you're getting a pass. You're getting uh, what I would sort of describe as a no action on behalf of the U.S. Attorney General. He's basically saying this is still very illegal at the federal level, but you know what? If the states are willing to provide a robust system of licensing enforcement regulation and you meet our eight priorities, then we, will, we don't have the resources nor desire to come after people growing, processing, retail selling. And they've said the same thing to the banks and uh, you know, money transmitters and money service businesses that, that bank the industry. And so the key thing is to understand what those priorities are and develop business processes, procedures, take on vendors that help you to meet those priorities because your bank can't bank you unless they know that those eight priorities are being met. Well, that makes a lot of sense. Um, let's talk for a minute about those eight priorities and what some of them are. We typically, what Rick is referring to is the uh, Cole memo, the memos issued by Deputy Attorney General James M. Cole, that basically gives guidance to the federal prosecutors on who to go after and who not to go after, and who's de- at the state level when folks are dealing with marijuana. So some of those priorities are, you know, not having firearms at the premises, not selling marijuana to minors, not selling marijuana that you know is going to be transported across state lines not growing on on federal property. So it sounds like, Rick, the advice to the marijuana business is to really make sure that they understand what those enforcement priorities are and make sure that they don't run afoul of them. Yeah, and and this happens, you know, even before the first uh, memorandum that was issued, Coleman, and it was in like August uh, of uh, 2013, I want to believe, and then subsequently in February of 2014, both FinCEN, the Department of Treasury's Financial Crimes Network Enforcement, the ones that enforce money, anti-money laundering, Bank Secrecy Act, know your customer rules. Uh, in both cases, you know, it, it's not only just for banking, but it first came from, hey, if you're going to be involved in this industry, if you're a retailer, grower, you, you better be meeting these priorities. You better be operating under a, uh, a sound uh, regulatory regime that the state needs to put in place, and then you need to make sure you're meeting these priorities. And then when it got to the banking piece of it, um, they repeated those eight priorities, but put, put the burden on the bank as well as the marijuana grower distributor processor to meet those priorities. And and for a bank, they have to ensure that the customer is meeting those priorities. So as you pointed out, you you cut them, but there's two uh, in particular. The banks uh, can can ensure that uh, these these entities, the industry participants are meeting. And that's, you know, one is, hey, we don't want any of this uh, revenue from marijuana going to, you know, uh, drug cartels, organized crime, any kind of, prince, you know, uh, criminal enterprise. And then secondly, we don't want these businesses used as some kind of front for some other illicit business. And those are the things that a bank, 
they really have they are in the in the, in the uh, position to be watching for those two priorities all the others in the state of Washington are looked at very carefully by the liquor control board liquor and cannabis control board and the banks in turn have a free flow of information between the, the liquor and cannabis control board and themselves with regard to their their customers meeting these priorities and i think this right. is the sort of key to the whole thing of how this thing can be can be banked well it sounds like then from uh, the perspective of the marijuana business you know they need to be really really be an open book for their bank that's how they're going to get their bank's trust and confidence is to to be an open book and be completely transparent to the bank and that's one and two to make sure that they truly are operating their business in strict compliance with all of the state laws applicable to marijuana businesses. I totally agree. All right. So that, that's the key truly to getting a, uh, a business bank account. Um, and then I think that ties into the role that financial compliance plays with the success and longevity of a licensed marijuana business, because in order to, you know, to stay in this business for the long term, uh, compliance and regulatory compliance, both at the state level and also at the federal level, based on the the Cole memo and and not implicating these enforcement priorities, is going to be key. Um, what materials would you suggest a licensed marijuana business look to um, for getting guidance in the in complying with these financial requirements? So on the uh, Department of Financial Institutions, Washington uh, DFI's website, you'll see right on our home page down towards the bottom, there's a, a link there. You can click on the picture. It's, it talks about the you know, banking marijuana. And that is uh, you know, an encyclopedia of all of the guidance and information that's out there both from FinCEN, the Department of Justice, as well as the you know, stuff that we've published. Um, and, it, and it's out there for public consumption. And I, and I would, if I, if I were involved in this industry as a grower, processor, retail seller, I would familiarize myself with all, all of that information, those, those links. There's uh, probably a dozen, dozen and a half at least, I would think, but, but I would go through it all. And uh, right. I would understand. I would understand the priorities, and I would understand how my business is meeting these priorities. Because, as you pointed out, that's the way you're going to gain the confidence of the bank. You know, from a bank standpoint, look, they 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 want this business. It's revenue. It's fees. It's actually very costly to engage in this thing because you've got to mitigate the risk. Right. And one of the biggest risks they have to mitigate is that their customers are not doing these, you know, deviating from these, these eight priorities. Got uh, it. Rick, if I can interrupt you for a second, we actually need to take a break right now. But when we come back, we're going to talk about the roles that banks play in the marijuana industry and how folks can uh, help satisfy their banks and reduce their reliance on cash. So stay with us. We'll bring you more Cannabis Solutions after this. Mindful of sustainable practices and limiting their environmental footprint, Sansal hemp is always grown outdoors, as nature intended. By starting with uniform genetic profiles, Sansal ensures the plant will maintain its optimal performance and yield consistently throughout its life cycle. It is through innovative processes that Sansal is able to achieve pure whole hemp extracts and meet industry requirements and the level of quality desired by many of their customers. Healthy plants... Healthy people. SansalCBD.com. Improve your lifestyle, 
naturally. <sighs> cash? Sorry. I don't carry around cash, and I don't want to use the ATM and pay surcharges. You don't need to carry cash. Haven't you heard about PayQuick? Okay, tell me about PayQuick. It's the safe and easy way to pay. It works just like your debit card to securely pay for your purchase, and it gives you rewards points every time you use it. Nice. PayQuick, the safe and easy way to pay. P-A-Y-Q-W-I-C-K dot com. Seeking a career in cannabis? Ready to become the next great bud tender? Increase your knowledge, skills, and higher ability with a Tricomb certification today. Tricomb Institute is the only cannabis education company in the world with courses that include textbooks, workbooks, and expert-approved and government-certified curriculum. Tricomb now offers these courses online. Take the courses at your own pace with 24-7 live human support from anywhere in the world. These courses are perfect for physicians, pharmacists, MMJ parents or patients, adult use customers, and most of all, aspiring bud tenders. The course includes full access to the cannabis industry's largest job board and even includes resume building help. Register for online courses with the cannabis industry's educational leader in science, education, and training. Visit TricombInstitute.com today. From dabs to chibas, sativas to indicas, we roll out a whole concentrate of fresh new content every week. It's like going from the greenhouse to the dispensary. CannabisRadio.com Cannabis Solutions, presented by PayQuick, is back to help your cannabis thrive. Only on CannabisRadio.com Welcome back. I'm Kenneth Burke, and we're here with Rick Riccobono, the Director of Banks for the Washington Department of Financial Institutions. We've been talking about how marijuana businesses can get and maintain their bank accounts, and now we're going to talk a little bit about what's going on with, at the banking level so that marijuana businesses can understand what their banks are going through. All right, so it's no secret that cash has been a big source of problems in the marijuana industry. Um, what issues do these large amounts of cash present for the bank? Well, you, you have the same uh, – for the bank, uh, you, you've got, first of all, the same safety issues, right, that exist for the industry, exist as well for the, for the bank. And, again, it's, uh, you know, can, businesses that are, uh, you know, cash-intense uh, cost more to provide banking, you know, services too. So, you, so unfortunately, the more cash your business is, the more you're going to pay and fees and service charges to get this money bank. But of course, again, you know, the, from the cash aspect of it, you know, the, the, when it's all about compliance with bank secrecy and anti-money laundering, it's all about following the money. Right. And it is, is, you know, when it's in, in the form of cash, you can't really follow. You know, you, you can't identify the source like you can when it's being transferred to and from within the, the uh, automated clearinghouse system, the, the, the payment system. Right. So it sounds like the marijuana business has got to do a couple of things. One, it's got to keep very, very diligent records um, of its sales using the seed-to-sale traceability system. And two, it sounds like it's a pretty good idea and the banks would appreciate you know, the, the marijuana businesses using an armored car service or a third party to make sure they pick up their cash and, uh, and take it for deposit instead of walking into the branch with you know, bags of tens of thousands of dollars. 
Yes, and, and, and including, you know, we had the issue early on in Washington uh, when this first thing started, the taxes were being paid in cash, and they were bringing in such large amounts of cash into revenue offices, state, uh, the State Department of Revenue's offices, that, that it took, you know, hours, sometimes a full day or more to count the cash just to pay the taxes. Now, we, since then, we have banked most of the industry. In fact, I like to tell people, uh, you know, via the banks as well as the, the money service bureaus that are, provide a means to, uh, to bank your business, the taxes today being paid to our Department of Revenue are in excess of 90% of all taxes being paid are being paid electronically. So it's, it's not, uh, you've got less than 10% that's still coming in by, by cash. And that number continues to, to improve as time goes on. So, but we've come a long way from, from the early start of uh, this in Washington. Sure. I think, well, Washington's really leading the country, uh, not only in its seed-to-sale system, but in, in how it's treating the entire industry, which which leads me into something else. And that is that some licensed marijuana businesses, you know, they see cryptocurrency like Bitcoin as a solution to their dependence on cash or as a way to get credit card processing without really telling the, the processors what's going on. You know, what advice do you have for banks and for marijuana businesses that um, are faced or have folks coming in their door offering crypto? cryptocurrency like Bitcoin as a solution? Well, you know, I, I've never been uh, a fan of Bitcoin. Uh, <laughs> and I certainly don't think, that, you know, considering Bitcoin is what I, w- I would say is, the, you know, the, the choice, the uh, currency of choice for criminals, uh, you know, because that's what it is. I mean, most of the people paying for goods and services with that are doing because they want to remain, you know, behind the scenes in the black market and you know, in the cloud, if you will, you know, and behind. Right. So, so I, I just think, uh, you know, I, I think mixing the two is a mistake because all you're doing is assisting the critics. Remember, this thing right now is, is it, we're in a, a no-action status. It may be legal in the state of Washington, but it is very illegal at the federal level. Attorney General has said if you do these, meet these priorities in conducting all this, and the states takes over the enforcement and licensing and enforcement regulation of this stuff, will sort of back off. But, you know, I think, yeah, I think it's a lot tougher to meet the priorities and maintain, uh, you know, again, I think that, you know, seed to sale, the tracking system in Washington has gone a long way to helping uh, businesses and, more importantly, the banks get comfortable with all of this. You start introducing uh, the Bitcoin into, into the equation, it gets a lot more difficult. First, it fluctuates, you know, minute by minute, the value of Bitcoin. Uh, and, and secondly, uh, as I said, I think you're just fueling the critics. Those that disagreed with the attorney general's position on all of this is, are now going to, you know, use it as a means to show, you know, how is it they could possibly claim they're complying with these when, when this, you know, product is being paid for by Bitcoin. So, so, so it sounds I've, I've like never a been twofold. A, oh, go ahead. It sounds like there's, yeah, no, no, there's really twofold. Been a, go ahead. Yes, yes. I've never been a fan uh, of cryptocurrency. And like a lot of people, simply because it seems the people that want to use it the most are uh, are just a lot of uh, criminals. So I, I I think mixing the two uh, is a mistake. Right, and you, I think you're putting you're putting the entire industry at risk, and you're also making your ability to comply with the the coal memo and those enforcement priorities much more difficult. And what has been uh, the reaction of banks with respect to cryptocurrency, as far as you've seen in Washington? I think that's probably you get involved with cryptocurrency. I said the Washington bankers that are willing to bank marijuana customers, I think, would drop you like a hot potato. So I think um, 
I think you know if you if you're not. The other thing is uh, there was a, along the same lines there was a lot of disguising what these transactions were. I know this happened early on in Colorado. They were people would call me and say, "Well, how come they accept credit cards in Colorado, uh, but you in Washington, no one uh, will accept a credit card?" Well, th- that was all happening because people were miscoding the transactions. So right. that the credit card companies who have already made it quite clear, marijuana will not run. Marijuana transactions are not to be run on their rails, not to be run through their systems. Uh, and so people were just kind of, you know, miscoding it to fake, fake them out. And, uh, and when they catch up with that, they actually, it's not just the, uh, you know, uh, merchant, they really go after the bank. See, every, every bank, you know, a credit card, uh, you know, Issuer is typically a fairly insured depository. They belong right. as a member, a, a member of a of what is a cooperative, uh, you know, Visa, Mastercard, American Express, and so um, you're, you know you're not guaranteed a membership in that. So so you you don't want to lose your ability to issue credit cards to your customers simply because one of the customers is miscoding uh, the transaction, saying uh, it's some kind of herbal tea or something, coding it as that instead of, uh, you know, a vitamin supplement type of coding instead of marijuana. Right, and I think there's an added risk to the marijuana business if you end up on the the match list, the M-A-T-C-H list, where you get uh, blackballed from ever getting a uh, merchant credit card account in the future if you end up on this list. And the best way to get to end up on that list is to get caught miscoding a transaction. Rick, my next question deals with how marijuana businesses can really locate a bank account. And I know you've been a big proponent of community banks. What would your advice be to marijuana businesses with respect to trying to find a bank account and with respect to uh, community banks? I believe that their only chance of getting in a banking account, is, you know, you could do it one of two ways. You could do it with uh, directly with a bank, or you could do it through a money service bureau that that offers that, uh, that service, you know, banking services. That's like PayQuick. We obviously, you know, we've got partner banks that will open bank accounts for marijuana right. businesses that are part of the PayQuick platform. And we were talking about community banks and, and your view of community banks. And, and I think you were basically saying, you know, your best chance of yeah. getting an account is through a, a service like PayQuick or going to a community bank. That's right. Because you're not going to find any of the large, uh, you know, uh, money center banks engaged in this. Because, you know, when you have a large institution, and you and you have you know rock solid compliance policies procedures uh, you know for your people. You can't start carving exceptions in. Oh, oh, in Washington State, we don't do our Bank Secrecy Act compliance that way because well, you know we take on marijuana clients. We have to change that. The minute you open that up, you open up your you know you make your entire bank vulnerable to uh, you know the exceptions becoming the rule and to exceptions happening in places they shouldn't be. And the next thing you know, they're facing some huge fine. All of this stuff, not only, uh, you know, uh, examined and supervised from a standpoint, we want you to do it right. But when you mess up in this area, uh, bank secrecy, know your customer, anti-money laundering, there are fines to be paid. And, um, and so you community banks, uh, they are nimble enough, small enough. They can figure out, meet, the compliance, they can create exceptions for this customer because they're not operating, you know, you know, hundreds of thousands of uh, customers nationwide. You know, here are the states, the banks, for example, the community banks have picked it up in the state of Washington. Again, they they actually limit the number of marijuana customers they ultimately take in because the compliance is difficult. 
uh, and it would be tenfold for a, a major bank, for a large bank. Right. Well, and that's that's what we've seen too. And also, it, it seems like the even the regional banks that are serving three or four states uh, have been unwilling to do it. So the advice to uh, to the marijuana business is uh, use a third party um, service like a like a PayQuick or go to your um, uh, community banks, establish a relationship with them. We are out of time for this segment. Uh, we got one more left. We're talking with Rick Riccobono, the director of banks for the Washington Department of Financial Institutions. Stick with us. We'll be right back. We'll bring you more Cannabis Solutions after this. Cannabis legalization efforts are increasing competition for businesses wanting to make it big. In this complex and fast-changing environment, only the savviest will survive. What are you going to do to stay ahead of the game? Enter New Frontier's free platform, Equio, the premier business intelligence, visualization, and marketing platform for the cannabis industry. With Equio, you can stay on top of your store sales, trends, and competition, better understand your seasonality and broader sales trends, identify and compare your top products and categories, and cross-buying opportunities. Go to www.equio.io to sign up for your free membership today. That's E-Q-U-I-O.io to sign up now. The power of real-time big data is now in your hands. Run with New Frontier and let us help you conquer the wild. The National Cannabis Industry Association presents the Seed to Sale Show. January 31st and February 1st at the Colorado Convention Center in Denver. Register now at www.seedtosaleshow.com or 888-409-4418. The NCIA See the Sale Show, the largest cannabis business event to be held in Denver, will host over 2,000 cannabis professionals and focus on innovations and technology in cultivation, infused products and extraction, and sales strategies. The show will recognize the best in the industry with the Cannavation and Canatech Awards. Register before November 22nd for $200 savings at seedtosaleshow.com. Use the code RADIO15 for an additional 15% off. Plan your experience now for the NCIA Seed to Sale Show, January 31st and February 1st. Seedtosaleshow.com or 888-409-4418. CannabisRadio.com proudly presents the newest and greatest podcast in the galaxy, The Real Dirt with Chip Baker, your insider industry connection to accurate and entertaining information about cannabis technology, production, cultivation, and everything in between. Rolling joints and dropping knowledge about cannabis technology, production, cultivation, and everything in between. The future of legal cannabis has arrived, and we want to give you The Real Dirt with Chip Baker. Look for new episodes at CannabisRadio.com, TheRealDirt.com, or subscribe to the show on iTunes, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio. Keep your cannabis cravings under control. Feed your mind with CannabisRadio.com. Cannabis Solutions, presented by PayQuick, is back to help your cannabis thrive. Only on CannabisRadio.com. Welcome back. We're talking with Rick Riccobono, the director of banks for the Washington Department of Financial Institutions, and we're talking about how marijuana businesses can get banked. Now I'd like to focus a little bit 
looking forward. What do you see, Rick, as uh, financial regulations you know, unfold and evolve with respect to the marijuana industry? Where do you think this is going from a financial regulation standpoint? Well, you know, I've I've said this to our own bankers as we tried to encourage them to consider, you know, picking up this line of business. It's a little bit scary engaging in it now when you only have a handful of states that have legalized it and the Fed's basically, like I said, taking a no-action kind of position with respect to prosecuting people under all this. But, you know, I understand that uh, the issue is on the ballot, recreational marijuana in the state of California, which you've heard, uh, I, I don't know if you've ever heard the expression, but if California was a, uh, if the California economy was a separate, uh, you know, and distinct uh, entity, if California was a separate entity, its, its economy would be the sixth largest economy in the world. And so can you imagine, uh, today they have medical marijuana in the state of California, that that business alone dwarfs what's the recreation slash medical combined in the four states that have allowed it uh, you know, just dwarfs the revenue coming in. So that's huge. If the, if this election, uh, you know, they go uh, recreational marijuana, I think you're going to have to see, uh, you know, a gr- more uh, a willingness here to uh, to accommodate this. And, and other states, you know, looking when if California goes recreational, I, I think you'll start to see some of these others that have already picked up the medical, saying, okay, fine, we'll just we'll just roll it all into one, go recreation. And some states that haven't even considered it will probably be. And so I think, I think there'll be a greater acceptance, and I think, uh, you, you know, less, un, less, uh, less uncertainty about uh, and, and, and gray in which you operate in, both right. in the business well, itself and, more importantly, banking the business. Well, being based in, in California ourselves uh, at PayQuick, um, I can tell you that uh, Proposition 64 in California is polling exceptionally strong. Uh, we fully expect that it will pass. And, uh, and you're right, given the size of the market in California for just uh, medical marijuana alone, it really – I think it's going to do a couple things. It's going to send a message to Washington that things need to change. And two, and maybe this is my next question, do you see, if it does pass in California, any relaxation in, in some of the reputational risk involved with banking marijuana if it passes in California? Yeah, I, th- I think that will take some some more time, uh, w- w- at least with respect to the banks, right? Bankers have always been cautious about their reputation, particularly community bankers. I, I know uh, some of your viewers may laugh as I'm saying that. They're thinking uh, what just happened with Wells Fargo, what happened yeah. with the crisis. But, you know, that's a different, you know, and what happened in the crisis was investment bankers. What happened with Wells Fargo is an example of what happens when these banks get too big. But when you're talking about community banks, that's really going to be for a long time the domain of, of you know, the, the marijuana banking, uh, as it'll be with community banks. Uh, I think going forward, I, I think there will be, uh, uh, you know, a, a great acceptance, but a reluctance, and it's still on the part of many to get involved. They, they don't right now. Bankers make decisions uh, about the type of things they'll fund and finance. You know. Based on like a lot of uh, our institutions, you know, they don't do say uh, adult bookstores. You know, they just don't do them. They right. don't like that that reputation. And so, so if you have a bank that's you know dedicated to you know its niche is you know family entertainment, uh, you know kind of thing, they're certainly not going to sign right up to become uh, you know the marijuana bank or to, to allow competition to point that out. So I think we have a ways to go, but. But, you know, bankers uh, today, the banks, uh, community banks doing it in the state of Washington, you know, we have some credit unions will advertise they do it, but but the bankers 
take a more low key approach. They don't really share that they are banking marijuana. Uh, okay. You know, with other customers in the public, and I think that reputational piece over time will will work in. But it but uh, it will it will truly take some time with respect to conservative bankers. All right. So last question. Um, you know, what advice? And I think this kind of recaps a little bit. But what advice would you give a licensed marijuana business who is looking to uh, to secure a bank account? Maybe one or two things that that they can take away that's going to help them get a bank account and keep their a bank account. Okay, I, I think uh, I think if they they go to the DFI, wa, wa, you know, Washington State's DFI's website, they click on that link I told them about on the front page there, Maryland Banking Marijuana, and take start you know go through all of those links that we have on there. I would familiarize myself with that because because the rules that apply to them are are there, but the rule those those are focused on banking the industry and they a better knowledge of the rules that banks you know. The, the uh, regulatory uh, requirements and uh, the, the process procedures, the examination uh, that they have to go through in, in connection with this, the filings they have to make every time and periodically. A better understanding of that, I think, would help uh, give comfort to a banker that you know that these priorities, eight priorities, you know that two of them, you know, uh, lie with the bank and the rest lie with the, the liquor control board and all eight lie with the with that particular business uh, I think you gain you know uh, a lot of uh, you give you give the banker a lot of respect and a right. lot of comfort and um, you gain a lot of valuable insight about what the bank is going through and therefore you can make sure that the bank has that confidence and that warm and fuzzy feeling that it's safe to bank you as a marijuana business and with that, with that, uh, I want to thank Rick Riccobono from the Washington Department of Financial Institutions for being with us today and sharing his absolutely invaluable advice and insight with us about how to get and maintain your bank account. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Canada Business Solutions presented by PayQuick. I hope you found this show useful and have learned something that can help you in your cannabis business. You can download past episodes of our program by going to CannabisRadio.com or subscribing to the show on iTunes, Stitcher, or iHeartRadio. Thanks so much, everybody. See you next time. The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without proper consent of CannabisRadio.com is prohibited.